0: Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Who are the mourners that Jesus was speaking of here? How will they be comforted? Are these kingdom blessings that are mentioned in the Beatitudes for us now or for a future time? Do the Beatitudes reveal the heart of Jesus? Has Jesus redeemed Israel already? I want to know.
1: would like to welcome each and every one of you to this week's episode of The Doctrine of Christ with myself and Brother Jimmy Cooper. And this week, we're especially glad for each and every one of you that is joining us for the study, because whether you know it or not, the doctrine of Christ is the most important thing in your life. So we're thankful for you joining us. We're going to begin with Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4. The second beatitude last week's DOC was on the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And in Matthew chapter five and verse four, blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. Mm -hmm. One of the most precise explanations of this is in Adam Clark and his commentary and, I want to read his comment on Matthew chapter five and verse four. And his comment is this blessed are they that mourn. That is those who feeling their spiritual poverty. And if you remember last week, we said that these are like stair steps and like progressions in our relationship with God. And we're going to carry that through all the beatitudes, but blessed are they that mourn that is who feeling their spiritual poverty, mourn after God, lamenting the iniquity that separated them from the fountain of blessedness. Everyone flies from sorrow and seeks after joy. And yet true joy must necessarily be the fruit of sorrow. Hmm. True joy must be the fruit of sorrow very powerful words. And in the first beatitude, we had that general attitude of spiritual poverty and humility, realizing our own sinfulness that not only brings us into the kingdom, but that stays with us throughout our Christian, our Christian life and our Christian experience. And I want to read the way another writer put it, uh, God be and God be in his commentary written in the early 1900s. He put it like this. The seven beatitudes are the Sapphire steps of Jacob's ladder by which you climb above every storm. Tread the bright plateaus of the delectable mountains where the sun of righteousness eternally shines in his undimmed glory and the fadeless flowers of paradise emit their heavenly fragrance on celestial airs, their fadeless tints and hues flashing in the gorgeous glory of the sun that never sets. And I believe you even likened it to an old thing that old rockers will relate to the stairway to heaven. And uh, certainly that was a carnal uh, wrong stairway to the wrong place. But it is a true stairway to heaven. The true steps of Jacob's ladder. And we're going to very much keep that in mind as we go right up those steps. And everything. In scripture is foundational. It's precept upon precept and line upon line. And every beatitude we want to place firmly in place to where we really understand it because it's such a tremendous foundation to our Christian life. Um, John Wesley had this to say. This whole process, both of mourning for an absent God and recovering the joy of his countenance, seems to be shadowed out in what our Lord spoke to his apostles the night before his passion, do you inquire that I said a little while and ye shall not see me? And again, a little while and ye shall see me. And in this morning that brings blessedness, it's a morning after God that brings us into action. It's a catalyst. This the the porn spirit is the attitude, and then the mourning for God, the, the absolute—it's a mourning for our own sin, but it's a mourning for the God that is not present in our life. And this mourning jumpstarts us and springs us into action. It's the catalyst, if you will. So
0: is it a, is it a, is it a sadness?
1: Yes, uh it's a mourning, just like you would mourn. Uh it's a you know it, it's you know we think of mourning for a lost loved one. And the in the context that John Wesley referred to, we'll read this text. Jesus was leaving them. Hmm. He was going to die. And they were mourning. They were in mourning and they knew this before he before he left. And this is the morning that John Wesley is speaking of for the God that's going to be absent from their life. It's a realization that the presence of God is the most important thing to us. And this morning, and this realization, as in the parable of the prodigal son, he came to himself. This moment of mourning and contriteness is that catalyst that takes the poor in spirit. Yeah. into relationship with God. Yeah. In the sixteenth chapter of John, let's read the text that Brother Wesley referred to, beginning uh in verse sixteen, a little while and ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. And in verse 19, now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him and said unto them, do ye do ye inquire among yourselves of that I said a little while and ye shall not see me and again a little while and ye shall see me verily verily I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament but the world shall rejoice the world was glad that Jesus hmm. died they thought he was a liar a charlatan Many people still hold that same opinion, yeah. but they wept; They were in mourning because they lost the physical presence of Jesus wisdom. And this is not only for them at that time, but it's the realization of every individual porn spirit. When they come to themselves and realize that God is the most important thing in their life, and that there's only one way to the Father through Jesus Christ. Ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. And this is the blessed are they that mourn. They mourned, but it was turned into joy. Blessed are they that mourn. There is no true joy without sorrow and true joy as brother Clark said is truly the fruit of sorrow and it's very specifically a morning after God when the individual comes to the realization whatever their problem is whatever situation they're in that the answer to their problem is Jesus you need him and if you don't have him you need to be in mourning mm. until that relationship is established. And this morning is a specific realization of the direction in which the individual must focus to have that morning turned into joy. There's a continuation in the Christian life of that morning. And uh, I want to read another aspect of it. And all of these things, like porn spirit, it's how an individual has to have the attitude to come into the kingdom, yet it continues. And the same is true with mourning. This godly mourning is something that's a part of our Christian experience um, all through our, our Christian life. And John Wesley said this also. He said, but although this mourning is at an end, it is lost in holy joy by the return of the comforter. Yet there is another, and a blessed mourning it is, which abides in the children of God. They still mourn for the sins and miseries of mankind. They weep with them that weep. And even when the Holy Spirit comforts us and gives us joy we have and this in the old testament would be called the burden of the prophet we cannot have a goofy um, we have the joy of god but yet we have to have a holy seriousness that realizes that there is a world That's on the brink of disaster, that there are thousands of people every Sunday morning and even millions that are filling the pews that think they're right with God and they're not. This is a weeping and a mourning that will drive the child of God to action Hmm. and to intercession. And in Romans chapter 12 and verse 15, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep, and we have to have a compassion for others that identifies with them, just like the compassion and the love of God and the compassion of Christ connects with us, uh, not only when we become a Christian, but all through our Christian life.
0: Well, I can truly say that the more you know, we're we're in season three now. The more of these DOCs that that we do, I've this is explaining how I've been feeling about uh, brothers and sisters in Christ that are are not following the DOC, the Doctrine of Christ, and I'm starting yeah. to feel that uh, sadness for them yeah. and um, sorrow because I only God knows, you know, I guess how the end is going to be for them. So I'm just keep praying that pe- more and more people, you know, and I encourage people that that watch these episodes to share these with your friends, share them anywhere you can and help spread this doctrine of Christ everywhere. And maybe we can be pulling people out um, of the, the, the lost way that they've been in thinking they're saved.
1: Yeah. And it's not an all some haughty religious attitude like I know more than you do, but it's a godly mourning yeah. that has a burden. And in in the old testament it was called the burden of the prophet. That prophet had a burden. And and we have joy, but yet we mourn and we weep with those that weep. And it, this is Wasn't I mean,
0: Jeremiah known as the weeping prophet?
1: We're going to hear from him real oh, soon. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, real soon. Yeah, Jeremiah was a weeping prophet. And the place there that overlooked Jerusalem was called Jeremiah's, Jeremiah's grotto. And this is where Jeremiah would pray and weep over Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And this is where Christ uh, spoke his words. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would gather you as a hen would have gathered her chicks, but he would not. It's the heart of Jesus. One of the um, sayings there, the shortest scriptures is uh, Jesus wept and uh, he wept and uh, we weep also and only through our tears are we going to find real joy. And it's the opposite of this attitude that functions solely on the intellect that is always trying to think they know more than others or more clever or whatever. But it's a, it's a holy morning that desires to bring others into relationship. And this is, this is our life. Every born again, child of God knows the reality and the truth of this. We will not have to twist their arm of any born-again child of God. The Spirit will bear witness that this is right and this is true. And uh, it is the experience of every child of God. Another real key portion to weeping, and there's much to, to mourning, we're going to look at a lot of text where the godly remnant mourns over Israel. And this is a huge concept that we're going to take through from the Old Testament scriptures uh, up into the time of Christ and right to us today. Uh, Very powerful. In Psalm 119, 136, rivers of water run down mine eyes because they keep not thy law. And because of the godlessness of, and the way that Israel turned against the law of God, the godly remnant wept. And how much today should we weep?
0: I, I'm convicted right now. I, I I might feel compassion, but I I have not just broken down weeping for, for people. I, I'm convicted.
1: Well, and we all are. We were talking last week about brokenness, about being broken. And how that when we're broken, the spirit of God can revive us, but He can't really revive us till we're we got to got to break that stubborn mm. that stubborn flesh and that yeah. will brokenness. And this morning takes us into the depth of brokenness, and um, it's a mourning over the Israel, the nation of Israel. And it's a mourning, whatever country you're in, over the sins that your nation is, is, is involved in, whatever it might be. And um, in the prophet Jeremiah, who, as you well said, was the weeping prophet, Jeremiah said this in chapter 9 and verse 1. He said, "Oh, that my head were waters— and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. We have to we have to have a holy morning that drives us, just like you said so well, we've got To get the truth out to people That's what we've got to do And that's why we're so thankful For this DOC series That so many people are responding Mm -hmm. And that's our heart Uh, We just weep That people can come into relationship With Christ The simplest of all truths That what Jesus said Is The truth of God The very words of the Father That will set you free this is our message and uh, with the holy morning we're going to take this message to the whole world just like Jesus commanded us. and God has a response when the godly remnant mourned and when the prophets of old like Jeremiah, they wept over Jerusalem, they wept over Israel and God had a response. the response, To the mourning of the godly remnant from the father is comfort. That is the word. God comforts those that mourn. Mm. And then that turns into joy. Blessed are they that mourn only through tears. Is the or yeah. True joy is the fruit of. Of tears. There, got it right. Now let's look at God's response. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1 through 3. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably unto Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all of her sins the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert, a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. And as we all recognize these are the words of John the Baptist. The response to the morning remnant is comfort and comfort is in the glory of God being revealed to all people through the forerunner, Jesus Christ. This is the comfort of the Israel of God. And just because Jerusalem and Israel lapsed into horrific sin God is not done with the Israel of God and through Christ there is the resurrection of the Israel of God as the true remnant that is blessed and overcoming now here's uh, another controversial thing that really should not be controversy at all but Our dispensationalist friends, they say that when Jesus Christ came, he did not redeem Israel. Now, let's read a text here from John the Baptist's father. John the Baptist was the forerunner, and uh, he is the fulfillment of the prophecy in uh, Isaiah 40 of comfort, God's response to the morning remnant. Well, this is what John the Baptist's father said in Luke chapter 1. And verse 68, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. Jesus redeemed Israel. We are now the Israel of God. All of the sin and all of the apostasy of Israel cannot prevent the Israel of God being blessed. All of the gay parades in Tel Aviv cannot stop it. The official rejection of Christ for the nation of Israel cannot stop it because Jesus redeemed Israel. We are the Israel of God. We are redeemed. We are the prophetic fulfillment of God the Father to comfort the godly remnant that mourned after Israel. We are now seated with him in heavenly places, reigning with him at the right hand of the Father. Israel has been redeemed. How clear it is in Scripture. John the Baptist's father got it, but the so-called greatest theologians today, they can't get it because they're bound up in their man-made theology, and they cannot understand that Jesus has redeemed Israel. And if indeed he didn't, who is ever going to? And of course, they say now, um, Jesus didn't redeem Israel, but now in the millennial reign, he'll redeem Israel, and then we'll have the earthly kingdom. And you know how that goes. But Jesus redeemed Israel, brother Jimmy. What a blessed truth, and what a powerful one. Amen. And And here again, I feel so sorry for people. It's not with the haughtiness. Um, I have to give that teaching a stern rebuke, but it's with the sadness. How much spiritual power are people missing Hmm. from uh, not realizing the Israel of God has been redeemed and we're it. You know, we are now the Jerusalem, which is above. We are seated with him. We have our place. In the third heaven with God the Father. I mean, if that doesn't get someone someone excited, um, I, I, if that doesn't get you fired up, uh, I think that your wood's a little bit wet. <laughs> I knew there was a clever saying coming. Yeah, and you see, we, we began our first study on the Beatitudes with the contrast between Wesley and Spurgeon and Schofield. And the emphasis, and you know, these are the kingdom blessings. And to receive the kingdom blessings, you have to answer the question, well, what is the kingdom of God? You know, the forerunner, John the Baptist, said the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus said the kingdom of God's at hand. Matthew 4, 17, uh, Luke 17, 21, Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. So it either is or it isn't. And if you believe the kingdom is now, these kingdom blessings are for now. But if you believe the kingdom isn't coming to the earthly millennial reign, well, I don't know why we're even bothering with this. You see,
0: we did an episode on the kingdom of God. Either in season one or two, I can't remember now. Uh huh. I'm going to have
1: to go back and listen to that again. Yeah. And, you know, this is, a, this is an important question. And do we believe the same kingdom that Jesus taught? We better, because yeah. there isn't any other. Yeah. Um, you know, and, um, you know, it's silly. Jesus said, uh, you must be born again to enter in the kingdom of God. Well, if you're born again, you have entered in.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, you know, what a terrible thing to, I mean, this is a huge thing to get wrong. Now, in Isaiah 61, this is one of the foundational Old Testament passages which Christ used to teach the Beatitudes. And, you know, Jesus was quoting the Old Testament constantly. He didn't come to do away with it. he came to fulfill it. And when we go to this context here in Isaiah 61, it'll help us get this full picture, deep understanding of what Christ was doing When he was teaching the blessings of the kingdom. And that's exactly what he was saying. Now, uh, the kingdom blessings are not for some nation or for some ethnic group. But blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is right now. Blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted right now. Now. It's a present reality of kingdom blessings, not for some time in the future, but right now. And Jesus disconnected it from any kind of a geographical nation or any kind of an ethnic association. It is for those that have faith in him, he will give them the kingdom of God in its fullness.
0: Yeah, because when you read shall be, it's it kind of sounds like it's a future thing that will happen shall be comforted.
1: Yeah. But so, that shall be is something that shall be real quick. All right. It's the, it, it shall be right after you mourn. Good. 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 <laughs> it's not something that is, um, shall be in the millennial reign, but it shall be right now. All right. Uh, the, uh, uh, the kingdom of God is within you. Like Jesus said, and, uh, Jesus said, uh, In another place in Mark or Matthew chapter 12, he said, if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. And uh, indeed it has. And it would be good. Like you say, we did a whole teaching just on the kingdom on a DLC, and that would be a real good supplemental study to to even get a deeper and a clearer understanding of the kingdom, because. We really don't want to get this wrong. And you just rob yourself of so much spiritual blessing and truth.
0: A couple of days ago, while I was working, uh, I'd been talking with a friend and we've we been seeing a lot of, of uh, talk on YouTube about uh, once saved, always saved. And you don't have to repent more than once and all this yeah. stuff. So, you know, I just got on. I was working, so I couldn't just sit and watch. The video, but because we have the podcast, I could go and I just listened. I found the podcast of the Once Saved, Always Saved, and I just was able to hear it while I was working, and man, it's just so good to be able to just constantly be re- refreshing. Uh, the, these topics keep coming up over and over, and I just love that we have a
1: reference to almost
0: all the hot buttons right now. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool.
1: It is. And the doctrine of Christ is timeless. Yeah, I mean, it is not something that's going to someday change. It will be something better. Uh, it speaks to every individual of mm-hmm. every age and whatever day and time they lived. This is the spiritual truth of the kingdom of God, of the relationship of every child of God. It's timeless. And, oh, and it is a wonderful thing to be able to address all of the subjects we already have and so many more that we have to do. It is truly a blessing. And I know it has helped many, many, many people already.
0: Well, so far there's 50 of them out there, 50 topics yeah. that we've covered so far.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm so thankful for it. And I feel like we're just getting wound up and I feel like the Lord is helping us to become more focused just the more we go, and we're just going deeper and deeper yeah. into the unsearchable riches of Christ. Amen. And it's it's just such a blessing. And let's get the context here in Isaiah 61, which is one of the foundational passages that Christ used in the Beatitudes. And it says this, And this will be readily recognizable as the words he spoke in the synagogue at Nazareth in Luke 4. But he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. And you see the whole ministry of Jesus was to comfort those that mourn. It's so important in verse three and to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. This is a very specific mourning for Israel and for the city of Jerusalem. And this is something that Jesus brought comfort to, the godly remnant, that they could be blessed irregardless of what that nation did, of what the temple did, that that kingdom blessing was in him. We are now the Israel of God. We are now a part of that Jerusalem, which is above. We are now seated with him in heavenly places. It's such a, it's a real comfort and a blessing to those that mourn after God and mourn after the Israel of God.
0: When we see that word Zion, is that always a reference to Israel? Is it is it a reference to something else?
1: Zion is a word that's used of the, and of, uh, Of the city of Jerusalem, and it's also used in a spiritual way of the heavenly Zion. So it it has that kind of a double reference to it. But yeah, it refers to to Jerusalem. Okay, and um, and it's a mourning, and I and I think every how could not every child of God have a love for Jerusalem and that land of Israel. I mean, I realize. And we teach that it's not the nation of God, but how can we not love it? How can we not love the the city where our Lord was crucified and where so much took place? We have to love it. We have to have a compassion.
0: I still want to go see it just because I want to walk along the lake where the Bible says Jesus was walking. And I, I still want to see all that stuff. And it, some- and it must be a, a very special place because God chose that as the place to, to yeah. have it all come from.
1: Yeah, this is the ground zero of the cosmic warfare. Yeah, And this is where finally the Father's going to have the last word. And um, so it is very important. But yet we must understand that our, par- our blessing as a part of the Israel of God, they can't take a- that away from us no matter how many gay parades they have. They can't take that away from us. Right. It, but it's not with the haughtiness, we say that it's a sadness because we know that God is going to judge their sin just like he's going to judge the sin of America. And um, so it, it's with this holy morning that uh, it, that drives us to share. The truth of God with all of the zeal that we can and. Charles Wesley, I have some um hymn lyrics from Charles Wesley that I think in, we've got four lines here. And as you know, as a songwriter uh, and I know your heart is to just write scripture, you know, and these four lines, they're a theological treatise. They have more truth in them than a lot of books that are this thick. And he said it very well. This is what he said. He speaks and listening to his voice, New life, the dead receive. The mournful broken hearts rejoice. The humble poor believe. Hmm. Read that again. He speaks, and listening to his voice, new life, the dead receive. The mournful broken hearts rejoice. The humble poor believe. That's the first two Beatitudes right there in a nutshell. It's so beautiful. I don't think anything could express it any more beautiful than that. That That's great. And it's such a clear understanding of just exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Let's have a little help here from Thomas Watson. Um, Thomas Watson, in his book on the Beatitudes, He's got it nailed to gospel morning sends the soul to God. That's exactly what it is this morning. It's something that it's the catalyst. You know, this is what drives us right to God. It's a morning yeah. because we don't have God or it's a morning because we don't have enough of God mm. and, and, right there. just exactly it. Gospel mourning sends the soul to God. And there are three scriptures and examples that he gave. And I want to read these that gives us a clear concept of just what we're talking about. When we talk about the blessed are they that mourn, it is a morning that it drives you right to God. Let's look in the uh, gospel of Luke chapter 15. And we could look at verse 17 and 18, the prodigal son. And when he came to himself and, you know, he was, we know the story, the prodigal son, he got all messed up. Like most of us have at a point in our life, uh, just in a mess Mm. and he mourned and he came to himself. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. Gospel morning sends the soul to God, mm. just like the prodigal son in um, the book of Hosea. Uh, there's a couple really interesting examples here in the Old Testament. Um, that are just really profound Uh, in the book of Hosea. Let's read chapter 12 and verse four. And this is about the episode where Jacob wrestled with the angel who was really Jesus in Hosea chapter 12 and verse four. yea, He had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel. And there he spake with us. And here we see the brokenness of Jacob, the deceiver, the supplanter, but he was broken. He was broken and he wept and he sought after God. This is the gospel mourning that comes forth from brokenness that drives us. It's not like. Oh, well, what do I do? Do I do, do I do, do this, do it do that? No, it's I go to the Father right now. I'm going to weep, and I'm going to go to the Father right now. That drives me there. Blessed are they that mourn. And in another very interesting text of another uh, pre-incarnate appearance of Christ, and this is from the book of Judges, uh, the book of Judges in the second chapter And let's pick it up in about verse 2. And the text says, And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of the land. Ye shall throw down their altars, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? Wherefore, I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass... When the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. This godly morning, when the conviction of the Holy Spirit and so many people, they are living a compromised Christianity that will shake hands with paganism and it will join themselves unto paganism that we could give a million examples of, but when the Holy Spirit convicts an individual that paganism is not acceptable, immediately they wept and returned to the father 100%. This is what we have to have. There is no true relationship with God apart from a godly mourning That will shun idolatry. Mm. And it's interesting that in the passage in Hosea and in this passage also, it's Old Testament, and it speaks of the angel of the Lord. And it's a pre-incarnate working of Christ as the angel of the Lord, which is very interesting in both of these instances. Jacob is recounted in Hosea 12 and this passage of Christ doing this work even before he came to Calvary working this godly morning. So I guess he was qualified to teach the Beatitudes, wasn't he? Oh yeah. Um, Another thing that Thomas Watson said here that is so good. He says, um, gospel morning is joined with self loathing. A sinner admires himself. The penitent loathes himself. And this is another thing that is just so much in line with the attitude of being poor in spirit and, uh, and having a true mournful attitude. You have to hate yourself and your self-righteousness, realizing, yeah. and this is very much a continuation of that attitude of porn spirit that there is nothing that within ourselves that is capable of pleasing God. And this is what the prophet Ezekiel in chapter twenty and verse forty three, he put it like this, and there shall ye remember your ways and your doings, wherein ye have been defiled, and ye shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for all your evils that ye have committed. In Acts 17, it talks about the Apostle Paul being grieved with the idolatry that he saw there in Athens. Today, I don't see many people in these churches that are grieved with their idolatry. The the Freemasonry, And uh, their pagan revelings of their holidays doesn't seem to bother them very much. They're proud of it. They like it. They enjoy it. There's got to be a place where godly mourning, that has to be our prayer, where true gospel mourning hits these assemblies in America and all over the world Mm. and drives them straight to the Father just like the prodigal son, just like Jacob, just like the people and judges too, that they knew when the angel of the Lord spoke that they had to forsake their idolatry. Brother Watson went on to said this, and we've seen this in several verses. He says, gospel tears, must drop from the eye of faith. The father of the child cried out with tears, Lord, I believe. And this is the text that we see in Mark chapter 9, verse 24. And we have said this already multiple times, and uh, it, it can't be said enough that true joy is the fruit of tears. In Mark chapter nine and verse 24, and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And we talked about this last week, how that a humble and a contrite spirit, this is something that the Lord will not deny and despise. And it's the only attitude that he is going to respond to.
0: Hmm.
1: Now, let's go to Jesus in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4. And uh, we see here the fulfillment. We read in Isaiah 61 how that the Messiah would comfort the mourning remnant of God that was mourning for Israel, and mourning for Jerusalem. And here we see it. In Luke chapter four, verse 18, he is quoting Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor right then. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted right then, to preach deliverance to the captives right now, not in the millennial reign, but right now, and recovering of the sight to the, of the blind, to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And the entire ministry of Christ was centered around this very concept. In the Beatitudes, we have the heart of Christ revealed probably more than any other place. And we see here the basic thrust of his ministry to bring Joy to those that mourn, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set free the captives. This is what Jesus is all about.
0: And he started the whole Sermon on the Mount with this. Yeah. He laid this groundwork, this stairway to heaven.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's a stairway that will not let you down. Um, And and here, here it just gets better. He says in verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. And he gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Now this next verse should settle the theological question. If these blessings are for right now or for later in verse 21 and he began to say unto them this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears this day right now the Lord hath visited and redeemed Israel this day. right now is this fulfilled and ever since jesus began to teach everyone that has responded with that attitude of porn spirit and have allowed that godly mourning to drive them to the father by faith in christ that blessing of the kingdom is theirs this is the real kingdom blessing and this day it is fulfilled In your ears for all that will believe. Let's go to the book of Ezekiel, chapter nine and verse four. And one of the most important questions everyone has to ask themselves is: Do you have any godly mourning in your life? Um, In Ezekiel chapter nine and verse four, and the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city through the midst of Jerusalem and set a mark upon the foreheads of the man that sigh and cry for the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. The only people that were sealed and marked for preservation were those that wept and sighed and cried. It'll be the same way now. The only godly remnant of the Israel of God that the Father will be able to use are those that are poor in spirit and that are mourning for the sins of our nation that sigh and cry for these abominations, not with a haughty Pharisee zeal, but with the burden Mm. that drives us to share the truth of God with just as many people as we can. And there's a prophet here that we don't hear a lot from, but there's a wonderful text here um, in the prophet, Zephaniah and he's a good old boy but there's only one thing that I have against him his book is so little and it'll hide in there on you you know and it kind of wants to hide and you you go look for it you gotta oh where is it oh there, there it is. is and here it is and in zephaniah chapter three and verse 8 boy this is a great scripture um 3 318 excuse me Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 18. I will gather them that are sorrowful. Now, did you ever think about that? The father is going to gather them that are sorrowful. This is the gathering together of the end time remnant. This is the gathering together Mm. of the sealed of Revelation 7. He is gathering together, just like Ezekiel 9. Spare those that are weeping and mourning for the abominations. I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly. God is calling a solemn assembly of those that are mourning. I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly who are of the to whom the reproach of it was a burden. And this is it. Do you have a burden? Do you have a burden like the prophets of old for the nation and city of Jerusalem? Uh, Are we ready for a solemn assembly to where we're going to really weep in repentance for our own sin, hating our self-righteousness and mourning for the sins of our nation, calling out, For the spirit of God to speak unto hearts and to save and to snatch out of the fire um, thousands and even millions that will turn to Christ. Um, You know, this is our heart. Hmm. And. I tell you what, here's another great scripture, Jimmy. I just have to say they're also good, Jimmy. I got to say it about all of them. This is a great scripture, man. You're going to agree. You're going to say, man, that's great. Um, I haven't
0: disagreed with you yet.
1: Oh, man. You when you won't say that. you. And I've never thought about this, um, but it, with this lesson, it, it just comes out so clear. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 31, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in... The comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied, walking in the fear of God and walking in the comfort of the Holy Ghost.
0: Well, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would be called the Comforter.
1: Yeah. Wow. And you see, these people are a special people. Number one, they had the fear of God. And, boy, we could talk about that for an hour, too. But they have the fear of God. They're walking in the fear of God, and they're walking in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Now, you cannot have the comfort before you mourn. These are people who, through the fear of God, have mourned, and then they have received the comfort of the Holy Ghost, and they are walking in it. Mm. What up? A- Beautiful, beautiful picture we have here to illustrate that which we're talking about here um, in this beatitude. And something that um, I want to ask you. And, you know, you've been around this. um, This isn't your first rodeo. You've been around charismatic churches for years and you've seen a lot of stuff. And. And. What I believe is being done today. And, you know, we talk about understanding, you know, we talked about last week in the poor in spirit, how that we're humble and broken, but yet not to a point where we're destroyed. It's a reviving. It's a doing away. It's a crucifixion of the flesh that the spirit might be revived and build up in Christ Mm. and that we know who we are in Christ. But here's what I believe is being done there are people out there that are teaching who we are in Christ and yeah, man, we're King's kids, but they're leaving out the porn spirit and the morning. Yeah. And they're getting totally out in the left field because they have left out the foundation of the porn spirit of the morning and the brokenness before we're lifted up and placed in a proper understanding of our relationship with Christ. And I think this is to the great hurt of so many people today.
0: Yeah. You know, we'll, I just think about a lot of, a lot of times when I've read the sermon on the Mount and, you know, we start with the Beatitudes, I kind of just have always just kind of went through them real quick. It's like poor in spirit. Yeah. Bless her a little more. You don't quite get it unless you just stop and dig like, like you've been doing on these teachings and, this is, uh, this is taking me to a whole other level of just how I think about all that. And maybe that's what's happening with a lot of these other things. You know, dare I even say that maybe these episodes may be the least viewed of all of these episodes in a while because they don't sound exciting. They don't sound that important. It's like, yeah, we've heard this a bunch, but no, you have, I've never heard these broken down like this. Yeah. So I pray that what I just said was
1: not prophetic, but yeah. And you know, we um, all need these really a lot. Yeah. And whenever you teach on the cross and so many of you, I know all about that, you know, and when you, and you know, Paul talked about the unsearchable riches of Christ and our favorite topic of study should be salvation, sanctification, the infilling of the spirit, those things that are a part of our relationship with God. That's the most important thing of all that should be. And that is what thrills the soul of a real child of God. And I understand there's a lot of, I love to teach on all types of things, and I understand a lot of these are interesting and fascinating, and I like all that. But this is the That's most,
0: how I found you in the first place.
1: Yeah. And we do a lot of that. A lot of that we do just for, to get people's attention, quite frankly, to, to share the gospel with them. But this is the focus. And when you look at the guys, and you know, the more that I read Charles Spurgeon, the more I appreciate this man's focus on the gospel. I mean, he was focused on it. He didn't veer from it. I mean, always, that was his heart to bring people to the Father. Yeah. And with the Puritans, I mean, that was it, man. They were focused on the gospel. And with Wesley and Fletcher, I mean, we've lost the focus in America. And
0: um, I remember you said the Puritan was a word that was actually a uh, derogatory word. But the fact that these people wanted to really to live pure and holy lives to the fact that they didn't care what other people thought about them. I mean, and and just dive into the word and study it and and die to the flesh and just all the things that we're learning from these guys. We don't see a lot of that now.
1: No, and we've got to bring it back, uh, and that's what we're doing. We're going to talk about the doctrine of Christ, and we're going to tell people it's the most important thing in their life until everybody gets it, whether they know it or not. Yeah, and and most people don't, but a lot of people do, and a lot more people are getting it. Yeah, and and when you really study these, and you understand, um. I mean, if, if you would tell someone, um, would you really like to know God personally and have him reveal himself to you, everyone's going to say yes. But, you know, then if, do you really want to pay the price for that to happen? You know, you're going to lose 95% of them right away. That's the yeah. flesh. It's got to be a gospel conviction that'll bring that attitude of porn spirit to where God can use that person and use that morning to drive them to God. Like Watson and Clark said, and this is what it's all about. Yeah. And it, it's the most important thing and nothing could be any more important. And, um, let's focus for just one final thought here. Um, in something that you've already alluded to in the study. And when you do really look at this in its depth and when you look at the context, you know, Christ, when he spoke, he said, every word I speak are the words that the Father gave me to speak. And he didn't come to destroy the Old Testament. He came to fulfill it and to reveal its deep truth to us. And when we understand the deep concepts that Christ was drawing on here and the impact it had here were these people that were sitting down on, on the Mount of the Beatitudes right there in Jerusalem, those Jewish boys and girls. And you know, he's telling them that, you know, the kingdom blessing is yours through faith in me, you know, uh, the impact and the power of it. They had to kill this guy, you know, they had to kill him. Uh, because they couldn't have him telling people stuff like this, you know. Uh, But it's powerful. It's just as powerful today as it was then, and it will forever be so. And as you alluded to the concept of the Holy Spirit as the comforter, um, we'll read a couple scriptures on that. In John 14, 16, Jesus said, and I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. And we'll take a look at this word parakletos uh, in the word study, New Testament. And this is number 3875. And it says this parakletos, it means to speak cheerfully. To encourage he who has been or may be called to help, a helper. Christ designates the Holy Spirit as paraclete, John fourteen, sixteen, and he calls him Alos, another, which means another of equal quality. Now, this is so important, mm. and the this gets it just right. He said, therefore, the Holy Spirit is designated by Jesus Christ as equal with himself. Now, there's another word, alos, is 243. It means another of the same kind, heteros, which is 2087 means another of a different kind in the, in the scripture of the fallen angels. It said they went after heteros sarks flesh of another kind here. The word is alos, another comforter, another paraclete, another of the same kind. And just like uh, the, the writer says here, This is an explicit designation that the Holy Spirit is equal to Christ, and it's from the lips of Christ himself. It is um, just really good and very, very definite here. You know, words have meanings, and uh, the words that Christ used here um, are so important, and it's so important to us receiving our comfort because we don't want to stop with just, mourning. We want our mourning turned into joy by place, placing our faith in the cross and Christ's death there for the payment of our sin debt and as for the answer to every problem, whatever that problem might be. And in John 14, 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and shall bring all all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. And this is one of the foundational scriptures for understanding the way the Holy Spirit works from the mouth of Christ himself. The Holy Spirit will bring to our remembrance the things Christ has said. So to remember something, you have to know it before you can remember it, so it might be a good thing to study the doctrine of Christ so the Holy Spirit can use it uh, to bring it to remembrance. And I guarantee you, you have seen this since we began our our study here, 50 episodes in or whatever the case might be, that the more you study and the more you encounter people in life and they ask you questions, the Holy Spirit will remember that.
0: It happens every day day almost with me now.
1: And, and this is a true, the way the Holy Spirit functions as a teacher. The Spirit of God gets blamed for a lot of things. He has nothing to do with, I guarantee you. But that is the teaching office of the Holy Spirit, how he will teach us of all things through bringing to our remembrance things that Jesus said. And, you know, how important is this? Uh, on a scale of one to ten. And um, it's a tenor, I guarantee you. And second um, John nine. Whosoever transgresseth, and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ. Now. To abide in something you have to stay in it. And it's not like now I like what Jesus said about this. But now nah, this part here. I think I'll go with Charles Stanley here Because you know I think old Charles has got a good take on that So we'll go with Charles Stanley You see you don't get it like that Yeah Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ It's a sin not to abide In the doctrine of Christ It's a sin to take anything Over what Jesus said Whenever you're teaching anything That contradicts what Jesus said It's a sin Hmm and it's a serious sin, because he goes on to say, and I'll just read the whole scripture this time without stopping, maybe. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, hath not God. Woo. Mm-hmm. Hath not God, period. And that is why that we say over and over, that whether you know it or not the doctrine of Christ really is the most important thing in your life thank you for watching this
0: episode of the doctrine of Christ we pray that you have been both blessed and challenged by this teaching make sure to like share and subscribe hit the notification bell so you never miss an episode follow us on Facebook and until next time May the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be with you all.